0: The world is talking. The world is talking. World Talk Radio.
1: I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour The Power of Water and Your Health on This Planet. I am Sharon Kleina. We have been having a show for several weeks now, for quite some time, and The idea behind the show is for people to become better educated about your health and your awareness of living on the planet as a family. We're together as a family on this whole planet. You know, we have every day an ecosystem of vulnerability to all of us to want to do what is best for all, not just for ourselves only. And I think listening to each day, each week, and then every day, here over listening, to, listening to people on the planet, of what we think is good for all of us, uh, our freedom of worship, prayer, and peace with integrity, respect, and dignity. And I know this will take courage and wisdom from all of us, but this is the ecosystem and this is our environment. I think we've been confused about the environment. The environment is your health, your awareness, your attitude, and what's best for everyone all of us together and to make the word eternity come back as what is best for all this show is exciting because it's about water concerning about your health and hoping that you realize that on this earth there are eighty four million people who do not have access to to safe water many two point five billion do not have access to water sanitation And this earth, and you know water is a solvent, it's what is life in water, it's your health, and if you don't drink enough, you will not be healthy. Don't brag that you're still alive, that you didn't drink enough water. I think it's time that we all get serious about our health, and today we have two very special guests, and one in particular is the Oregon State Representative uh, Dennis Richardson, who represents District 4 and as Vice Chair for health, the Health Care Committee in the State of Oregon um, concerning about the 2008 Health Care Policy Review. We're going to talk about that. And let's see what we can do to go forward and not go back. It's time that we all in each state, the governors of each state, every representative in each state realizes that each state should be taking care of what is best for themselves and think about their own health care. Our second guest is very exciting to me, too, is Paul Labovitz from St. Paul, Minnesota. He is the head park superintendent with the Mississippi National Rec- River and Recreation Area, and we're going to have some very exciting topics today. On the Mississippi River, is a 72-mile stretch of running river through Minneapolis, St. Paul, metro- metropolitan area, and 40 percent of the migrating birds in North America depend upon that river for survival. We're going to have a lot of fun learning about that system. But we're going to listen to our sponsor, which is Biologic Aqua, is our sponsor, and Nature's Tears I Missed, and we'll be right back with State Representative Dennis Richardson.
0: You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk.
1: The Sharon Kleiner Hour, The Power of Water, is very concerning about your health issues and and your occupational health issues every uh, day. You are all wanting to be at work and be healthy. And and today we have senator, uh, Senator state representative, and I apologize to everyone, um, uh, we had a technology uh, difficulty and um, technical difficulty before we started, and I got my mind on something else here for a moment. But uh, Representative Dennis Richardson, are you with us?
2: Yes, I am. Good morning. No,
1: I apologize. I'm. I'm. I, all of a sudden, I had everything ready to go, and because of technical difficulty, I'm. I'm mumbling. It's,
2: it's um, not a problem. Everything will be just fine.
1: I know. Um, I wanted to thank you for waiting. And uh, being with us today, I know how busy you are, and I want to thank you on behalf of everyone in the state of Oregon and in this country of America for you giving your time to representing all of us. And today we're going to be discussing health care issues, our health insurance um, issues that have been quite a topic for many, many years. It's not new. And uh, did you know that our population grew? We do this every week uh representative richardson we our population in the united states grew by 50,638 people and we have as of today living in america 305,886,990 people in the world representative richardson it grew 5,179,000 Six hundred and sixteen people. So now, in the in the world, we have six billion, seven hundred and forty-seven million, two hundred and seventy-five thousand, eight hundred and two people that we ought to be concerning ourselves with adequate water, sanitation, and better health. Um, and the ecosystem is going to depend upon that. Uh, could you tell us what you've been learning uh, about the healthcare issues that are going on with your your uh, concerns are in an Oregon.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're con- my concerns are in Oregon, but they're also national concerns because, with the involvement of the federal government in funding all aspects of health care, it's very difficult to have meaningful reform in a state by state basis without the federal government being involved or at least giving waivers uh, so that uh, you can still collect the money necessary to fund health care. Uh, as we review the the need for sustainable, acceptable, accessible, and affordable health care, there's always discussion and very little action that takes place. And generally, you know, everybody agrees that we need to have uh, access to health care for all Oregonians, and this would apply to wherever a person lives, but we're focusing on Oregon in in my position in the legislature, and we all agree that it needs to be high-quality, but we fail to agree on how it's going to be funded, or whether it's going to be a government-run uh, program, or it's going to be a partnership between private and public sector, and it always breaks down when you start getting to who's going to pay for it. Now in the
1: state, I know they have what's called public assistance health care plan. Right. And uh, everybody can sign up for that if your income is not sufficient to provide yourself with your health care. And in the United States, I have a question. They try to lead us to believe that our, we are not human enough to provide health care programs and availability to all people, whether they can afford it or not. And there are no end-of-health care programs for people if they're not even a citizen of the United States.
2: That's correct that uh, there are special programs for uh, those that are not citizens. There's also uh, the emergency room care for exactly. whoever shows up.
1: So we're not inhumane. N- no,
2: not at all. In fact, uh, the truth is, the United States gives more for you know, world and, and world health, world happiness, and and in disaster circumstances throughout the the world. Throughout and the Indian world.
1: Country. But and you it, know, this it, is uh, we'll get into your uh, what you're uh, wanting to accomplish and your goals, but. You know, I wanted our listeners all over the world to hear. Um, in the United States of America, during this last election, they kept trying to make it sound like our, the country of America isn't providing health care benefits for all citizens, whether they could afford it or not.
2: Well, we that have universal health care, it's just not a very effective one when it's provided through uh, trips to the emergency room. We have. Uh, safety net clinics that are all over the country, federally right. qualified healthcare care centers.
1: Now, explain to our world audience what a safety net clinic is.
2: It, it, this, these are clinics that the federal government has supported uh, with a tremendous amount of money to be built in communities all across the country mm-hmm. that will treat anyone who shows up regardless of their income. And if they do have a decent income, then they, they pay based on what they can afford. Mm-hmm. And so there is health care available through these uh, federally qualified health clinics uh, all across the country, mm-hmm. and so. But many times those are not even brought up because the the focus is we have uninsured people, and when I say, no, wait a second, don't just focus on the number of children in Oregon that are uninsured. Let's focus on the number of children that don't have access to health care, which is a exactly. completely different issue.
1: That is a different issue. Now let's bring up the differences. It's almost like you're going to define the differences, uh, define to us the ones that are um, that are not signed up for that um, health care and then the ones that are signed up because I do signed up for good health care. You know, it's sad of what's happened around the world. Uh, I know I did a little bit of road work before our show and different parts of the world that have what they call a more socialized, let's say, yes. medical program, but there are people that I found that under that program they cannot get medical attention for months If they have surgery, they're signed up for months, life or death. Yeah, many times. um, They have a more socialized government uh, insurance program.
2: For instance, the Canadian system is is compared, is brought up many times saying, why don't we have a single payer government sponsored system like the Canadian system? And I bring out the reality that if you're fairly healthy, then it's easy to get care and treatment because, you know, you can even get transportation for checkups and those kinds of things. But if you happen to be 60 years old and need a, a, a cancer treatment, then you are on a queue, and the queue means a waiting list. And if you need an MRI, you're on a queue or a waiting this list. That's exactly what the I found out. And,
1: and I had Canadians say it is absolutely inhumane that they will die. Before they get to their to what's adequate attention because of the program.
2: Well, it's a rationing. That that rations healthcare by merely delaying the rendering of the I like FEMA. that word, rationing
1: life on earth. You know, <laughs> they say uh, that people uh, that that they're we're not being thinking about people who were discriminating against people uh, that have no money and what what they can afford. I totally disagree with that, uh, Representative Richardson. I think this country. Is the most unbelievable concerning country. Doctors who give their time for at, at no charge when necessary, and the, the programs. Now, the one thing I was going to mention to you, Jane, is the one thing I will say is the insurance companies. Why is it? What happened for them to have such an ex- unbelievable uh, medical cost? are out of uh, so expensive.
2: Yes, and and they are, and they're continuing to grow.
1: Outrageous. The expense of treatment today, though, um, it's almost like uh, that is so inhumane. Uh, We had somebody I knew who was an insurance broker, went to, he had had something happen in his back way back in time, but it finally came to to the the fact that he could feel it, and it became very painful. So he went to the doctor. The doctor said, oh, my gosh, you've got to do something. We'll put you in the hospital for two days. And it was $6,000 a day.
2: Yes, that, that is very common. What you have is there's a, a lot of care that goes that does not get compensated, and yet the, the hospitals have their financial requirements, including uh, the money they want to have in reserves and, and what kind of income they want, and so they, they shift the cost to those that are paying. And so,
1: so that uh, is what is happening. The is cost it, shift. Okay, that's
2: correct, and that's, that directly relates to cost, those that are buying yeah. insurance because as those prices go up with the cost shift, then the premiums go up to have to pay these additional costs that keep escalating.
1: And is that because of the liability insurances are so high? Well, no. Although there, there is it's not the liability insurance.
2: There is a valid argument about defensive medicine that there's uh, maybe ten or twenty percent. It depends on who you talk to of the cost of medicine overall, is for procedures and tests that may not be needed, but if there was to be a, a question of the care, a quality of care, the doctor wants to be able to say, yes, I did everything possible to do this, to, to obtain the diagnosis. And so there are things that are ordered uh, by doctors uh, that are defensive in nature, and they may not do them if because they didn't feel the like they interest. didn't have to have that click checked on their chart.
1: Now um, as we're moving into this very serious life and death topic is the doctor's liability insurances, is that in the hospital, is that high cost expense each year? Is that cop making everything go up higher too? Well it gets blamed for more you just than you said a something cost, about it, defensive
2: yeah, the, the defensive medicine part, that does add... You've got to, to cover your
1: tracks whether you think you need to or not.
2: Right. The actual losses are just, uh, you know, I've, I've read somewhere between one and six percent of the cost of medicine is related to litigation and malpractice. I don't there know what go. the exact number is, but it's rather low compared to the overall cost that's being expended. Mm-hmm. But there's just, um, there's a number of factors. I mean, one man, one economist said that um, you want to know about expense. Look at what is happening in medicine. If you were mm-hmm. 57 years old in 1956 and you had a heart attack, you died. If you're 57 years old, male, and you have a heart attack in 2006, you, it costs forty to $50,000 and you live mm-hmm. because the technology and the ability to overcome a heart attack now as compared to 1950s is so much better, but it's at a huge cost.
1: You know, it's kind of interesting when we think about it. I have been in research for over 30 years, and we do technical breakthroughs, too. And And uh, you think that the, the longer that breakthrough is out there, the costs will re- go down and expenses go down because you've already paid for your technology um, in research and testing and developments and more. But it sounds like, to me, one person was telling me the other day, I guess, that um, that one of the machines uh, to do a treatment is $150 million.
2: It's absolutely astronomical. It is, it
1: is ridiculous. And it then you an... have communities where they have multiple machines. Take, for instance, an MRI
2: machine. You know, it's over a million dollars, and the, the reimbursement rate for MRIs is pretty high. Mm-hmm. And so you get, in a, in a community, they may have three or four or five MRI machines when one would actually meet the need, but because they're income generators, the, the medical... Uh, facilities want to have their own MRI machine, and so there's, there, there is a focus on that. And yet, drug and alcohol treatment, which is vitally important, has low reimbursement rates, and so there's never or rarely enough care and treatment available for that need because there's just not enough financial incentive to drive it.
1: Well, and our prisons are full of people who are not getting treatment.
2: Right. That's
1: right, in fact, uh, in fact Oregon. Uh, yeah, in yeah. fact, I had a doctor on, at, uh, for, that was doing research with Johnson & Johnson for eyesight for children, and he said because the child, when it's born, the baby, the infant, and becomes a toddler, they're not watching the, uh, eyes, how they're focusing, and the health of the eyes, and not realizing that when you're in your mother's womb, that the eyes are connected immediately to the brain.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: then when you're born, all of a sudden, when your eyes Uh, Representative Richardson, you're looking at your people, the persons, for the first time in your life. You probably think your eyes are hearing everything. Your emotions become through your eyes, and that all begins at birth when you're looking at at, at people in your eyes Mm -hmm. hearing, and you think it's your eyes that are hearing. All of a sudden they're finding that what research may prove that the prisons are full of people who did, had a, a difficulty not understanding the anxiety. The eyes didn't focus correctly. Really, I hadn't read about. And out. so, what happens with our uh, treatments here is we're not focusing on what is so important to healthcare is better healthcare education, better technology breakthrough on the original symptom, what is causing it, which is ours is dehydration the nature of dehydration. But uh, you're right about uh, the concerns, and we should raise our voice, and we should be alarming. Uh, this earth is a very special place. Well, it and is. the word eternity, one time I had an ecologist say, well, Sharon, I don't know if the word eternity could be there anymore because it's inevitable that possibly there may not be an earth someday uh, with people on it. And, you know, uh, Representative, I have this show and I'm studying every sh- day with my life with our technology uh, as a breakthrough. And it is very expensive with technology breakthrough. It's very expensive because all of a sudden you're finding you're kind of alone with your research and you have to put expensively an investment toward what you're trying to prove and knowing that you're up with billions and billions and billions of dollars with the companies that have already proven their technologies also. And then you're out there trying to get people thinking about human health. And, uh, you know, the one thing about um, our health insurance is how could we get people encouraged to want to just be healthier and they don't have to use their health insurance as often because they're healthier people. What are some of the things you're learning about what what they're trying to do with health education?
2: There's a lot that is being said about that, especially the idea of having kind of a a home a, a, a family health home, meaning a team of medical practitioners or providers that work together to try and promote health and not merely a sick care treatment, which is what we have presently. Mm-hmm. And the idea with that is, is great on paper, but for a doctor to spend 20 minutes or his team to spend 20 minutes with a patient who comes in for the flu to say, while you're here, let's do an A1C and see whether or not diabetes is an issue and let's check your cholesterol. Uh, if there's not compensation for that, it just won't happen because, I mean, medicine, like every other uh, form of work, it's not a hobby, it's a vocation, and right now the, the incentives to medical providers is for the number of visits or the number of treatment and the number of procedures. And so as long as the financial incentives are focused around sick care, there's not going to be a meaningful transition to health care.
1: I see. This is, where our, um, this is where we're failing.
2: Well, yes, and, it, and, and it's, it, it's easy to see it, but it's so difficult to rectify it because reform is always discussed, but it's easier to kill reform than it is to pass it. And so ultimately it comes down to where the money is, And if there's going to be a substantial organization or lobby, whether it be the American Medical Association or the state medical associations or hospital associations or any other group, if it's going to affect them negatively financially, then they're going to resist reform. And so we have limited resources financially. We have major uh, demands on those resources. And so, generally speaking, very little gets done.
1: We're going to listen to our sponsor uh, here in a moment, and we're going to come back. and I want to learn more about what you mean by the defining for our world to hear the word reform. It's been used a lot in the past during the elections, and I think people get so confused. Uh, We're going to be right back. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the natural method of moisturizing your eyes with dry eye. We'll listen to our sponsor and be right back with Representative Richardson.
0: World Talk Radio, the number one source for informative talk on the World Wide Web. World Talk Radio, Studio A. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you.
1: Representative Richardson, you mentioned, and there's a lot of discussion going on because we're confused <laughs> about different descriptions that are close to people that are active in the uh, policymakers that like yourself and and involved with uh, the government. Uh, but there's diff- just different descriptions used, and you, they're so broad. And you mentioned the word reform, and when you say that to the world, what does that mean? It's difficult to, to provide it to reform.
2: Okay, well, picture it like a pyramid. At the very top of it, the, the key for reform is the idea of providing affordable access to high-quality health care for everyone. Mm-hmm. In other words, that it, it shouldn't, some people have good care and others can't get any care, and that's not, a, that's not an American value to have such a disparity in, in such an important area as, as being able to have health care when you need it. So we say, okay, we want to provide universal access to, to high-quality health care. Everybody agrees that that is a laudable goal. Now, how do we reform the current system to enable that to happen? Well, First you have to identify what is the current system. The current system is based on, uh, if you can afford to have healthcare, then you can go into, uh, a doctor and buy your own, or you can go to publicly provided healthcare systems such as the safety net clinics, health clinics, uh, volunteer, uh, physicians who are helping out, as well as different, um, state funded, you know, welfare systems mm-hmm. to buy, provide healthcare. And so, Those are, we have those things in existence. The idea of reform is the cost keeps going up, the quality is not. America spends twice as much on health care, generally as a nation, than any other nation in the world, and yet our outcomes are behind
1: Bulgaria as far as that, it, 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 so it's not like... But I'm after, I want to learn more about that.
2: People say we, that America has the finest health care system in the world. Well, that's no longer the case if you look at the statistics, the morbidity and mortality rates. And so reform is how do we improve the outcomes in America mm-hmm. at, at, at a price that's affordable for everyone. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and you know what I'm concerned about, and I'm sure our listeners are too is here in America, is the cost is going up. The quality is not because of whatever excuses. But what about our elderly people? You know, uh, if you have no money, you can get health care any day. But if you're retired and you need health care and something isn't going right and you're on Medicare or whatever, sometimes it costs
2: well, it is, especially if you're not quite 65. Or not quite 65, you know, 65, right. You're not on Medicare. You don't qualify for that yet. Exactly. And yet you're having a hard time getting a job or keeping a job because of age, because of health conditions and so forth. You can be one of the forgotten Americans that ends up just being devastated
1: mm-hmm. through one illness. And now, we're talking today with, um, and, and I have a description called our climate of our economy. is in a climate change, the economy. Yes. in America and on the planet. Have they any ideas of what they're going to do with the health care problems of the state of Oregon during this horrible prob- uh, this economy problem? No, uh, most
2: people in Oregon and elsewhere have not accepted the reality that we are in this, like you say, like a climate change because of what's going on in, in the financial crisis across the, across the world. I believe the key ultimately is going to be community-based health care because ultimately health care is something that's given at a local level. Mm-hmm. So community-based collaboratives, where you determine in your community what are your resources mm-hmm. and, and how can you work together to help meet the needs of, of those that need it the most and assure that those needs are met. If the checks quit coming from Salem for Oregon or from the federal government, what's going to happen? Well, there's going to have to be a solution determined and it will have to be done at the community base. So solutions ultimately will need to be determined Back to by Back the way it
1: was long people. ago when it was really doing very. You were community-minded people. You were living in your community. You know. That's right. I've often said, Representative Richardson, that isn't it time? And I said this a long time ago. Isn't it time that we start thinking about what's so loyal to our location, loyalty? Loyalty to the businesses that uh, that build their businesses there. Loyalty to the, the agriculture there. Loyalty to everything at home. Um, uh, and, and think about what's best where you want to live. Now, if yes, you, you may not live there forever, but as long as you're living there, uh, you are there. Well, we have a basic
2: Christian Judeo belief that you should love your neighbor as yourself. Exactly. But over the last few decades, we've transferred or relegated that responsibility to
1: the government. We there, now there we're at. Uh, thank you. And that is what we've been trying to say: that if you want the government to take care of you, that is called welfare, and you can't, you don't mentally think you can take care of yourself. And I've often said, when you trip on a step. Don't turn and blame anyone else but yourself. You didn't notice the step.
2: I had a really interesting situation that happened a while back. I had 12 leaders. They were Christian uh, and Jewish leaders from all the head leaders from the Pacific Northwest. They came to me because I was over ways and means for health care, asking more money to provide uh, human services and health care to the poor. And I said, I'm so glad you're here because you are knowledgeable about the scriptures. And and, uh, my question is where in the New Testament? Did Jesus ever say, give more money to Rome so that Rome could care for the poor? Oh, thank you. And it was like silence.
1: Thank was- you. Yes, that is so true. And, you know, on, this, uh, on the planet where we've advanced, thanks to our forefathers of all of the forefathers of the planet, that we've come so far. But you know what we've lo- had happen is, sad to say, greed. Well, greed is... is- Real and it's that way. You know, it's kind of like I'm going to bring up, and I have I have all sides to my uh, outreach, but and life is research and dedication to my technology that I'm interested in, water and dehydration causing these symptoms um, of of disease. But I have another one called greed, and this new one that we just learned about last week called pay to play. Mm You know, I am sorry to bring it up. I don't want to take you on it, on it but it's time that we started looking at people on this earth as it's, it's an ecosystem together.
2: Yes, but if if the government says we're going to make you be more charitable, that's called coercion. If yeah. people choose to do well, it, we're back that's to that called pay charity. Well, and, and and so. We're learning. Realize that we had in Oregon just a few years ago uh, a, a tax increase that was needed for education to, to meet the, the full school year, as well as the needs for health and human services. It was going to cost about $52 or $58 a year, and yet it was voted down by the people. In the same year, there was a tsunami on the other side of the world, and one out of three Oregon adults contributed money to help those people who they had never met. And Not would in never their see. lives. But that was called charity. That's they true. did it because nobody was trying to force them to do it. They could do it because they felt like that was the right
1: well, thing. Well, I, ter- I truly believe and I thank you for your time and what you're doing because what are we going to do on this planet together? Uh, I had an ecologist on and we were talking about bec- uh, bacteria and, and um, microorganisms. And you know, they have a, if you go to a forest, and you take, uh, uh, let's say you take a fern out of the soil where it's adapted to all of its protection immunity protections and bacteria safe and all. It's been sitting, it's right there. But you take, pull it up by its roots and you move it 100 feet away and replant it to another spot. That's an effect on that plant. That plant may not be able to build up its immunity to protect itself in that spot. What I'm saying is, we have got to learn. Loyalty, charity, health begins where your soil is, where you're living.
2: Yes, that's right. Now we
1: all believe and I we have too. I'm the founder of Save a Child's Life Foundation to recognize melanoma in time because I'm convinced with the dehydration, and the air getting so dry, and and the the the, the symptoms where they're at today that melanoma may take more lives in a hundred years from now than any disease there is, and I'm convinced of it. And sadly, uh, we need better education. But what I'm saying is, is I'm a charitable where I believe in everybody helping each other. But what about where the soil of where you're at at your own where you live? Right. And, and you're you saying know, you're, you're today, exactly then, right. it's time that we started thinking about our communities uh, and getting more involved in our healthcare re- education. Maybe that's where um, Representative Richardson, our healthcare education would begin. A better healthcare education. Uh, uh, to educate at the community level uh, at our churches and our organizations and, and uh, our YMCA and uh, the children's groups and so on, uh, right there in that community. Absolutely. Schools, of
2: course. I mean, with 95% of the brain being made of water and some 82% of the blood, I think not, the lungs are like 90% water, there is a need for people to understand that you don't just drink when you're thirsty, you, have, you, you eat sometimes to keep from getting hungry. You don't just wait to get to, to, to you're hungry to eat. And then if you choose the right foods, you're not just satisfying uh, an appetite, you're also strengthening your body, and that needs to be done with water as well.
1: Water. And, and then one thing that we've been learning is you brought up the nutrition is um, there's some very important things about that day you were born, that moment, is you left a mother's womb a pocket of water. And what happened? You enter in the air. You begin a dehydration. So what you're eating, you've got to digest. You've got to sift it through the skin. It's got to, it's got to have a filter system. That's the skin, and the skin is eighty percent water. Then you're drinking. You should begin to drink water, and the water to replace and balance out the moisture you just lost because you were born from water. And our education system for health today. Now, what causes stress? you're more dehydrated or you'd be able to handle better stress. And I had some different things on a list today I was talk- thinking about that was so important for the listeners around the world, and here we are co- talking from Oregon, you and I, and health insurance costs are out of control. Uh, going to the doctor more than ever in history. Now, isn't that strange? People are going to the doctors more than ever in history and technology and the education is provided.
2: Yeah, but that's also a factor of the way the system has worked. In the 1980s, we had health insurance with a copay, and as a young family, we didn't go to the doctor very much. But in the 90s, it it changed where it was just a, you know, a $5 payment, and it was not a percentage anymore, and so you could go anytime you wanted, and our utilization went up dramatically because we didn't have as much uh, you know, the stake in it. We're paying premiums, and it's only five dollars to go. So why not just use this insurance? So you end up getting used to going to a doctor, even for things that you could have prevented or treated with just a little bit of knowledge and, and a little common sense. At home. At home.
1: At home. Right now, there now I have another one on my list. Here, uh, we have found that it, you you should be watching our diet and stay a little more slim and and uh, be not so uh, you know watch our di- uh, weight. But people go extreme.
2: Well, that's true. It's but they're they're thinking if if I go extreme, I know I'll be safe. Well, look at Oprah. You know, she recently has come out. uh, It was in the news that she's now back at two hundred pounds, and uh, and she was kind of apologizing because she's been. She said she's a foodaholic, and that she she's been saying one thing but doing another, and that she wants to change that. She did it to make money. But she goes up and down and up and down like so many people do.
1: Yeah. uh, Money is needed uh, is a lifestyle change. We're back to greed. Uh, A lot of people, but what I'm thinking is um, uh, can we hit a moderate? Can we learn to be in the middle, be moderate at our diets? In other words, get those dark greens in yourself every day. Do something every day, not all vitamin supplements. But think about what you're eating and, and, and guide yourself in a moderate if you, uh, day.
2: Yeah, you said guide yourself, and that's really important. If we learn correct principles, then we can govern ourselves. There we go. Correct. We don't, you don't just get forced on you saying you will be doing this because people rebelled to that. So we need to be teaching correct principles
1: to ourselves, helping people
2: understanding it. Yes, to ourselves, to our now, neighbors, to our family. You the greatest
1: freedom, uh, Representative Richardson, we have on this earth is the freedom of our mind. Nobody even knows what you're thinking. So you got a freedom of your mind, freedom of your mind choice, and if you decide that you want to be healthy and not have all that pressure and that stress and think out things that are, you've been given a gift to live on this earth through a blessing of God. So here we are together. Can you learn to be more moderate and reduce some of that stress called drinking more water, eating correctly? If we should go to a fast food place, it's, it's called a luxury. Go eat a, a fast food hamburger or a taco. But remember, before the day's over, you've got to balance that out. Yeah, that's right. Right? And if you're going to go to a fast food place, drink a lot of water after because well, that'll help balance it out too. With
2: uh, the recession that we're facing and, and that we're immersed in and not knowing how spirit's going to be, I think there'll be a lot more. Consideration All to
1: eating at home. Maybe and so. eating Now we're exercise. Can now I've got on my list exercise. That's another one we're overdoing. I've seen people pounding down the pavement, exercising every day, running up and down, and uh, the bones can only handle so much dehydration, you've got to be moderate. You can go to the gym every day, but think of being moderate. Don't overdo it. Because you don't know which, who, who you are to over-dehydrate.
2: Yeah, do something, but don't. And a lot don't of times people say they're, they're going to do too much, and then they fail to do anything. I mean, they, exactly. they start they're, and they fail instead of just you know. doing that which you can fit, which works for you, which you can do long-term and enjoy.
1: Now, is it possible with your health care program there and the state rep, as a state representative, is there, a, uh, is there something in there for health education for the state of Oregon?
2: Oh, very little, Uh, The the Department of Education uh, determines for the most part what gets taught and so there is lots of money that's in the budget for the Department of Education and for the the, the K-12 system, but very little of it has to do with changing curriculum or improving curriculum. It's ultimately going to come back to families teaching in the home because you can't rely on someone else to be teaching it for and you. Health
1: education programs at school, health the classes that they have teaching health, wouldn't it be something if you and I could start this? Uh, remember way back in time when we used to have a break to go get a drink of water in school? <laughs>
0: yeah. Do you
1: remember those days? Yeah. I can remember. I'm probably a lot older than you.
2: No, no, you're not. I But there's there I remember it, and I remember we had physical education,
1: too. Yeah, and, and but the, well, I remember in class that we'd have a, a class break, yeah. And they'd say, we're going to go to the hydrant and we're going to have some water. And, and now you look back on it, wouldn't it be something if we got all the kids in Oregon, all, all ages, to have a water to drink break and get them to encouraged to drink more water, which is the life of all Earth. It's life. Is there anything you'd like to close today with our audience uh, that you find that is important for the message today?
2: Well, I think that it's very important for each one of us to understand that we can't rely on other people or government or private institutions to make wise decisions for us. We need to decide what it is that's important in our lives for for good health and then start learning more about it and deciding that, one, we're going to work on being more health-oriented ourselves and we're going to promote it with our own families. You start where you're
1: at. There we go. Start where you're at. That freedom. That's freedom. That's correct. That is the freedom. You know, people are a lot of times, Freedom of choice. And you, if the government is going to take over your freedom, then all of a sudden you become lazy.
2: Well, plus, whatever the government can give, it also can take away.
1: Exactly. So you that's said, dependent it on it, recently. you don't
2: know what will happen in the future when there's a exactly.
1: change in funding you or change in You don't know which government's going to be, which, which file that's going to be in, of what year, when. That's right. And it's time we wanted that freedom of choice. Exactly. Well, thank you. That's my pleasure. Uh, this is a very special holiday season. I wish you and your family the very best. Thank you so much. It's and thank you for your time to you. today.
2: Take care. Bye. Goodbye.
1: Isn't this important, The this show? I do not take this show for granted throughout the world because I find that health education is so important. I've been giving time to health education most of my life, and I think that people can save each other's lives and remind each other with incentives and ideas and and it can be very chic and very stylish and fashionable to be health conscious but be moderate our next guest is paul labovitz who is from st paul minnesota he's the park superintendent with the mississippi national river and recreation area we're going to listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back and we're going to hear more about the mississippi we'll listen to our sponsor nature cheers i miss and we'll be right back
0: You're listening to World Talk Radio. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops.
1: I am. Well, thank you. We had technical difficulty today, and we appreciate you uh, being able to still be with us.
3: Oh, no problem.
1: So I guess you're over in St. Paul, Minnesota.
3: Yes. I'm actually at home uh, just north of Minneapolis, but close.
1: Okay. I've been to both places, and I love the Mississippi River, so I was excited to have you on today.
3: Oh, great. You're
1: the park superintendent. Correct. Okay. Tell us a little bit about... Your background. Uh, how did a lot of times when I interview people from the park system, their family did something to influence them, and they ended up in the park systems and the, and the nature uh, occupational uh, category and time. And in other words, their careers ended up going to the forest. Uh, did your family go to the
3: forest a lot? You no. Know, as a matter of fact, no. I I was an inner city kid. Ah. And uh, I happen no, to have a mother. let me guess now. Brooklyn. would enjoy taking us to the parks, and, you know, whenever I could catch a turtle or see a snake or a frog, <laughs> I thought this was kind of cool, and I wanted to do that when I got now, older. Paul, where living. did you grow up? Pardon? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Philadelphia.
1: Philadelphia.
3: And so I grew up about five blocks from the Delaware River, where I spent a lot of time as a kid. Okay. So I'm a river rat. Okay, I am, too. Uh, uh, have you ever been to Oregon? No, it's one of the four states I haven't been
1: to. Yeah, Paul, I'm, I'm talking from southern Oregon, um, and uh, where the Rogue River is at. Have you ever heard of I the Rogue River? I have heard of the Rogue River. The Rogue River. I do like to
3: fish a little, too, so I've, I've heard of that river quite a bit. I've,
1: and I've, uh, my grandfather, Pete Pritchett, who was from Indiana originally, but he had a cabin on the Rogue River. And I lived, slept, and breathed on my family holidays, climbing the mountains, swimming. Believe it or not, I jump out of the boat into the rapid, and my family would just <laughs> cringe. My family were fly fishermen. My uncle was Bob Pritchett, the river guide, uh, who in the '40s up through uh, up through the '80s, late '80s, with uh, 35 years on the Rogue River, took all of those famous people down. So I learned. I'm a river rat. I love it. And when I've been around the Mississippi River, I just found it to be fascinating. And today, you're going to teach us about a little bit more about it. Um, Uh, And the Mississippi River, as it says here on my information, is 72 miles long?
3: Well, our national park covers 72 miles. Your park, yes. The Mississippi River, yes.
1: Okay. Now, how long is the Mississippi River?
3: Well, that's a good question because you hear hear a variety of numbers, anywhere from 2,300 to 2,500 miles long. It's a long river. Mm Mm-hmm. We uh, we are the only national park that is about the Mississippi River, but there are eleven national parks that are located on the Mississippi River.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, on the uh, Mississippi River, the stretch uh, that you're wanting to tell us about is the migrating birds and and what ha- what they depend upon that particular stretch.
3: Well, you know this, this particular stretch is uh, has a good representation of the different different river forms of the Mississippi. That um, we get to talk about within our 72 miles, which includes the Twin Cities, there's uh, above the Twin Cities is what we call the Prairie River, or a wide, shallow, braided channel with a lot of islands. The river uh, enters the Twin Cities and enters the Mississippi River Gorge after it goes over the only waterfall on the Mississippi River at Saint Anthony Falls. Uh-huh. There's a nine-mile gorge between Minneapolis and Saint Paul, and mm-hmm. then the river. Comes around the bend at Saint Paul and opens up into the wide floodplain river that most people are familiar with when they think of the Mississippi River.
1: Mm-hmm. Like down near Louisiana, and
3: correct. In fact, uh, it's Orleans. funny because the river is very different from north to south, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, different. I'm a, a Mississippi River Parkway Commissioner here in Minnesota, and I meet with people from the ten states along the river, and mm-hmm. we all have a very different. Uh, point of reference when we think about the river in our state. It's very different from north to south. Now, where
1: is the headwaters of the Mississippi River? Where does it originate?
3: The headwaters are in uh, Itasca State Park here in Minnesota. Okay. And of those 2,500 miles of Mississippi River, about 600 of those miles are in Minnesota.
1: Now, uh, let's, in a minute, the Mississippi River is a very famous river, but when you say it originates in Minnesota, what's the influence of the water? Because that's an enormous amount of water.
3: Well, yeah, and the Mississippi is fed by several large tributaries, uh, including the Missouri River and the Ohio River.
1: Now, does that originate up in Canada?
3: Well, uh, the Missouri River initiates out in the Rocky Mountains. Okay. In fact, the Yellowstone is a tributary of the Missouri River. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: So when you think about the watershed of the Mississippi River, it it drains about 40% of the continental United States. Okay. So it goes from Montana east to New York, and then all the way down south into Louisiana. Sort of a giant funnel for North America.
1: Yes. Now, you know, here's a question I've never asked before. Um, is, you know, the United States has an enormous amount of water. Okay. Y- again, I mean, am I wrong?
3: Yes. Uh, the whole know,
1: country is full of no end of water.
3: Well, and, you know, our biggest source of fresh water, of course, is the Great Lakes.
1: Because you think of other countries of the world, Paul, that are so limited in their resources. It's like I had a show. Um, about the um, uh, the river flowing from China into the um, uh, India. And uh, the, if they cut, if they should build a dam, that's going to stop one of the uh, tributaries' river into India, and India doesn't have that much water.
3: Sure. Now, the United States is very fortunate with its very fortunate. water supply. In Canada, very fortunate.
1: A lot of water. Sure. Well, tell us about the birds now, because I know when I've had on some of the parks, uh, directors of parks out of Hawaii. And we were talking about the seeds that birds brought from all over the world to make the islands of Hawaii and what they became. Uh, Tell us about what uh, the birds, the migrating birds in North America that depend upon the the Mississippi.
3: Well, the Mississippi Flyway is a very, one of the most important migratory routes for birds in North America. So we like to think that, you know, um, a significant percentage of the birds that migrate North and South fly the Mississippi twice a year. And so different times of the year, we have tremendous bird diversity, even here in the Twin Cities metro.
1: Now, do the same birds fly in twice a year, or is it just different migrant birds?
3: No, you know, it'll be um, the same birds. Same birds. You know, and the the birds that are raised and and learn their migration And how far a
1: distance do they think they're coming?
3: Some of them travel to the uh, ends of South America.
1: Okay, there we go. Huh.
3: So it's important that the, the river corridor is this very important uh, greenway and navigation tool for migrating wildlife.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, what are you guys doing to protect them?
3: Well, we're you know we're doing our best to tell people about how important this flyway is for wildlife, and then we try to protect the habitat along the river, even in the metropolitan area, so that these birds have a place to rest and feed and get cover on that long trip. Yeah. Now,
1: do you have a, a good a junior ranger system so the children that are growing up are learning more about that?
3: We do. We, we conduct a lot of junior ranger programs with a lot of our partners here at the Science Museum of Minnesota and the Mill City Museum and the Minnesota Valley National Wildlife Refuge. And we, This is an interesting part because we're in such a complex metropolitan area. Yes. We have a lot of partners that we do those kind of programs with, and we have about 1,000 Kids who have uh, completed junior ranger programs here,
1: and that the birds, uh, the the, uh, protection of the birds is part of the uh, curriculum, and during their uh, becoming a junior ranger.
3: Correct. Part of, uh, in fact, one of the more exciting birds we have here are the bald eagle, and um, in just our seventy-two miles of park, I believe last year we had over twenty bald eagle nests.
1: Oh, so what are some of the other birds you have?
3: Well, we have a, we're have we seeing a lot more white pelicans, a lot of blue herons and uh, egrets, uh, kingfishers, you know, a wide variety of waterfowl, uh, certainly all the ducks and geese that fly north and south, a, an occasional sandhill crane, mm-hmm. uh, the bald eagles, uh, a wide variety of uh, warblers. Uh, I mean, just think of the birds of North America, and chances mm-hmm. are it's going to be either um, here through the summer, or at least migrate through here in the fall and the spring. Now,
1: when I the first thing I'm thinking, if the world is listening, if you have them migrating in twice a year, how many do you think are there twice a year? Have you ever had a count?
3: You know, numbers wise, I'm not sure. I, I believe okay. the number of different species, though, is uh, over 200.
1: Okay, and there's thousands and thousands of birds then.
3: Correct. I mean, there are certain times of the year when you're on the river. Um, you just you know see large flocks of birds uh, moving north and south. Now
1: the second one question is, is, I hope you can handle answer this: Is what? Why do they come there? Why don't they go someplace else twice a year?
3: Well, you know, the, North America has a couple other flyways as well, so there's a, there's different routes. Okay. But my guess is that over you know since the the, the last ice age receded, uh, the birds just sort of. Learn this navigation route because it provided all the, the habitat and food for that long journey twice a year.
1: Okay, there we go, the habitat and the food and the protection. And they learned that. Now, how long do you think this has been going on? Do you think it uh, hundreds of years?
3: Well, it's been, the wildlife has been migrating ever since there's been wildlife. So, be... you know, the, our uh, frame of reference here is uh, after the, the last glaciers receded. Uh, because that's the sort of the ge- geologic history of the formation of the Mississippi and Minnesota rivers.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So about 12,000 years.
1: 12,000 years, there we go. My. You know, you think about our ecosystem, Paul, and how important it is to all of us, and that's why um, the show that we started here, The Power of Water and Your Health, and that means your outlook on the nature of your life, too, Paul. Is, sure. It's like you said, you, you feel like you're the river rat, I'm a river rat. Did you ever? By the way, have you ever swung on grapevines? <laughs> well, you know as a kid, I have. Yeah, I did too. And uh, I remember my brother and I, uh, Ron Cowan, used to go climb the mountain here out by the Rogue, and and uh, he, Paul, he'd always say, "You go first. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, it's nice because we have several islands on the river, and uh, you always see rope swings installed on some of the big cottonwoods, and it's kind of fun to imagine kids in the summer
1: swinging on grapevines
3: still get to do that kind of oh my
1: the nature of our lives yeah. and that's better health it's our attitude too yeah. uh, and coming to see that 40 uh, percent of the migrating birds in North America depend upon the Mississippi area there so you guys now how where do you get your funding to, pre- to take care of your 72 mile stretch is that uh, the state of Minnesota get a lot of funding from our government
3: well, we're a national park, so we're a federal agency. You're a federal agency. we're part so of the, the, world uh, the national park system, so there are 391 national parks, and we're the one that commemorates the great Mississippi River as part of America's story.
1: Okay. Well, our time is up. Uh, if you ever have another subject that you'd like to bring to the world audience and our nature of our health on this earth, Paul, be sure and uh, call us because I'd like to have you on someday.
3: Well, certainly. We'd be happy to. You have
1: a wonderful holiday season. and 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 uh, thank you for your time today. Okay. Tell everyone we said hello.
3: Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: Well, Earth has a secret, and the secret is this. You need to take responsibility for you. Do not have any greed in your life. It, it, you want it to come forward. Pay it forward. Your health is important to you. Our global climate is going to change with or without us. So what are you going to do every day when you get out of bed? You're going to drink a lot of water. You're going to eat your greens. You're going to think about your health because your health affects your stress and your attitude, and it will affect others. The secret of Earth is this. Embrace your life every precious moment. Earth is whispering. Never say goodbye. I want to thank Sarah Seals and Bonnie Mark. And Biologic Aqua for today, uh, This uh, we had with this show with Representative Richardson and Paul Lepevitz. I think it was a good show. I hope you're, uh, have, if you ever have any questions, go to naturestears.com and ask us for any questions you may have. And I really did appreciate recently the um, uh, email that we got on reminding us of some other things in the water that we should be drinking and some of our health aspects. I really did appreciate that. Do more of that. Have a nice day.
0: You're listening to World Talk Radio.